Welcome, everyone, to episode 40 of Creatives Grab Coffee. Today, we're welcomed by Liam from Altitude Media. Before we kind of jump into it, Liam, just kind of give us a little brief description of what Altitude Media is. Yeah, for sure. So we're based out here um, on the island of Newfoundland in the middle of the Atlantic on the east coast of Canada in a really old city called St. John's, the oldest city in North America, actually. And so in 2017, I was getting my engineering degree and funny enough, picked up a camera, fell in love with it, saw an opportunity here in the market to, um, you know, provide content creation services. This is also when like Peter McKinnon was just getting going. So being able to, um, you know, learn and enhance my skills in videography, um, did a lot more of that instead of studying engineering, but basically continued to, bro- to grow the business uh, while I got my degree. And then when I did finish um, my civil engineering degree, I continued working on the business full-time since then for the past two years. So what we do is video production here locally in any and all forms, whether it be short form, um, long form, more like documentary style. We did a web series last year that we produced. So content in all forms. So you're the second person we have. We, we brought on the show from Newfoundland. We had Braden King um, previously. And did he not also study engineering? So you guys both both studied engineering. Is that the trend in uh, Newfoundland? Go to engineering, go into video production right <laughs> after. <laughs> yeah. So Braden's like pretty much my best friend. We've uh, we've done a lot of traveling, and yes, we did do engineering school. And funny enough, I got two roommates also did engineering, and both work in marketing now as well. So yes, I guess it is the trend here in Newfoundland. <laughs> Something about engineering schools there that don't like motivate their students to continue with it. <laughs> this is a bad advertising for engineering in Newfoundland. <laughs> there could be something there. There definitely could be something there that we're tapping into. So two years into it, you're just fresh out, right? Basically. Yeah. So I graduated in 2021. So now I've been full-time in the business for the past two years. So we're, we're, I would say we're kind of in a similar situation. Like we've mentioned before, like even though we kind of started the business back in like 2014-ish, like if we feel like we weren't really treating it like a business, I would say we're also kind of two years into it. I'm just wondering, um, how, like, what, what are some of the challenges you faced so far running it? Yeah, so I would say since I got out, I mean, when I was a student, you know, it wasn't that big of a focus for me. It was like anytime a job came up, it was like, you know, great excitement. Sure, let's take it on. But now, you know, I'm not a student and I need to make a full-time income from this. So it's like, you know, you really got to keep this business afloat and manage your cash flow and such. So in saying that, it's, it's you know, keeping the work steady and going. I mean, I looked at my uh, revenue over the last two years and throughout the year, you see it go like this, right? I don't know if it's like this for you guys. It seems to be pretty common across video production um, businesses. So this year I'm really trying to um, uh, figure out ways where I can kind of alleviate that and get more steady cash flow, more steady projects coming in. So, I mean, it seems that the number one thing that video businesses struggle with is uh, lead generation. Um, You know, has that been a challenge for you guys or, you know, how do you guys think about that? We, we get, you know, what's what's interesting is that I would say about late into, I would say Q4 of last year or late last year, well into this year, we're, we're getting a pretty consistent amount of, uh, of, uh, of leads coming in through our, through our website. I would say, Almost on a yeah, daily like basis. on a daily basis, there's a, there's quite a few that come in, but 
we've we've started to focus on filtering them out even more lately. So I suspect that the amount of actual leads, and I'm not talking about like those dumb SEO or those AI uh, lead entries that I can't stand. Uh, the, the, They're constantly coming in now, especially like it's, it's increased it's so much in the last week. It's driving me bananas. I wish I could blacklist every one of those companies, but I don't want to give them attention. Yeah, we we kind of we're trying to filter them out a bit more because Carol and I actually did the numbers on the projects we're doing and how much we're supposed to make off of it, and we realized, hey, you know what? Like the entry points we had for a lot of leads coming in was a l- lower than what we should have been uh, setting the expectation at. For example, we had our project starting out at like 5K, right? That was like the first entry point, 5 to 7.5K. And we just did the numbers on on what the total cost is for a production process. And I was and we were like, you know what? It has to be like starting at at least 10. So we've kind of increased it. So I suspect that the amount of leads coming in are going to be a lot less. Uh, but, so we're, but the ones that come in at least will be a bigger fish for us. But in terms of what we're doing for... because they're more quality, Dario. Like, it, I, I know exactly what you mean, like, where it, the lead generation process should be evolving. Obviously, in the beginning, you want to try to get as many leads as possible in the beginning, you know, just to know that it's kind of working. And then as you start getting more and more and more, you realize there's only a certain amount of time you could spend with each and every lead. So then, uh, to your point, Dario, that we have to filter them out in a certain way. It's better to filter down to get more quality leads. So I'd like we would rather get maybe 10 solid leads that could actually have potential than go through 100 leads where only maybe 5 to 10 of them would actually be decent to even explore, right? So it's all about figuring out what works for you as a business. So what does your guys' qualifying process look like? Well, I mean, we have, we, uh, I guess it starts off from our contact form. Right over there, we kind of decide who's coming in through the door. And then from there, it's literally just a question of of money, right? Based on what they what they need. So like qualifying qualifying factors, I guess for us is like to talk to us, you, you need ten right off the bat. It's like you need you need at least ten G's to talk to us. And then from there, we're kind of going based on what they need. And then if they need more, it's like you know you need you need more money. You don't have the funding, well, you can't get that, right? Uh, another factor would be, I guess. I don't know how it's going to be with these 10k plus leads, Kirill, because to start off We're with that budget, well, learning. to start off with that budget, you, it's going to be a different type of animal compared to like we only have 5k yeah. and we want the world, right? Do you know what I mean? Like to get to start off from that, it's already like a special type of lead where it's like, okay, we kind of know what we need, yada yada. You might get one that where it's like, yeah, we have like a 20k budget, but they want sixty thousand dollars worth of work, right? So I don't know how it's going to work out with these new leads that will come in. But from the previous ones we've had where they did have these types of budgets, it was pretty easy breezy. I, I think it's because there's a sense of like um, where they've already kind of prepared and done their homework on why they need to spend that money uh, and kind of understanding the strategy behind why they need video at the first place. Like money is uh, typically like a good indicator of like how serious a company can be and if they've done any prep work. You know, if a client hasn't, thought to themselves how they should probably use or utilize video, they're going to be more hesitant to spend some money, right? Where it's like, I, I don't know what I need video for. Maybe I'm only willing to spend like two, $3,000. Can't go more than that because then I might lose lose it for nothing. Whereas what we're hoping for is the as the bigger budgets come in, it's like, all right, we need to hit this, this, this goal, this, uh, this goal, and this goal. Uh, in order to do that, we need 15000 to achieve it. All right. 
now let's find someone who can solve our problem with this budget. So that also might be what they just set aside for it. They might not know because like, yeah, or something like that. But normally like uh, that would be like it's the at first, least an idea. Yeah. The first step is like, do they have the money? Uh, step two, I guess, is like, what do what do they want? Uh, and what do they what do they think they want? What do they actually need? And are they willing to kind of like listen right to what the experts? What problem are they trying to solve, yeah. essentially? Uh, I was just going to say, like, uh, what have you experienced at, at this point, like uh, doing lead generation in St. John's? Well, the thing here locally, I mean, it must be probably similar in your market is you have your your freelance videographer, right? Which is just your standalone guy, which was me like two and a half years ago, just going around with a gimbal and, and you know, a Sony A7. And then you've got this, a really high-end agency, right? And so we're trying to bridge the gap right in, in between. And, uh, you know, obviously here, a lot of tire kickers, a lot of people that think they're going to get a video for 400 bucks and, and so. And um, we just recently, so I, I want to ask my next question would be, you know, have you guys done anything um, marketing, paid marketing on social? Because I just recently uh, got into that and I recently had not seen any results before, but we just ran a campaign and have been able to book um, a ton of calls. Saw a lot of success from that. What so is using? that something that you guys have done before? What are you using as the as the platforms? Like, are you using Instagram, Facebook, or LinkedIn? What are you using? Yes, yeah, so it's a Facebook and Instagram uh, campaign. So I think we're doing about fifteen dollars per spend per day. And what it is, it's a lead form that they fill out right on Facebook or Instagram, and basically I get their email, and then I have someone who manages the leads and then books in on a call with me through Calendly. So. Um, and what that video was, um, it was myself on camera, like, like I am right here and quick 45 second video. And what I spoke to was the fact that I felt that video marketing here locally still hasn't caught on like it has in bigger cities like Vancouver or Toronto. And I see that as an opportunity. And then I spoke to that and then, um, you know, spoke about what clients we've worked with here locally, which are some pretty um, you know, well-known brands. And then my offer was this, a video marketing bootcamp. Basically let's, let's kickstart your business at the start of this year, um, by doing some video production and video marketing. And from that, we we're able to book now 11 calls in, in two weeks. And that's actually why I asked about qualifying leads because sometimes I'm getting on calls and it's just like, okay, you weren't a fit. So what I did to adjust that was, I think what you guys said you're doing, you're within the contact form, you have a budget option, right? You guys said you're starting out at 10K. For me, I also went in and did, okay, four to six is the starting point there. Wouldn't it be better to do LinkedIn for you? Because like the type of leads that you want to get, I'm guessing at least like types that you get on Facebook might be like smaller businesses which are dealing with smaller budgets. But if you're doing LinkedIn, you'll get like maybe you'll get bigger companies that are looking at it, right? Dario, you have to look at the market that he's in. He's in St. John's. There's not as many major corporations or businesses that are based out of there. A lot of the companies he's probably dealing with are, at least uh, this is what I'm guessing, are probably uh, like on the smaller to medium end kind of sizes. And maybe his market is is more so on Facebook and Instagram. Like what works for us in Toronto may not necessarily work for him, right? It's a completely different market that that he's working in. Am, am I right? <laughs> I, I definitely think you're you're correct in saying that. But Dario, I think what we plan to do is that once we see ad burnout 
um, within Meta, because now we've proven that this has worked on, on Facebook. I mean, we've booked a lot of calls and now doing a couple of pitches this week. It's been a great success, which was honestly, I was completely surprised. I didn't think it was going to work. Um, but we've seen a great success with it. And now I think you're right. We should, once we see ad burnout on Meta, we'll move into LinkedIn. And, but the thing about LinkedIn is you're right. It's more qualified people, um, that are on that platform, but it's, it's much more expensive. It's crazy expensive on LinkedIn. Like I was looking at doing, running some ads on it ourselves and I was like, Ugh, I, let's just try organic at this rate. Yeah. Unless you put enough money behind your ads, depending on the platform that you're in, you're just going to be throwing money away for nothing. Like you're not going to get anywhere with just like five bucks a day or something in, on certain platforms where in, in order to see any kind of result, you need like 40 or 50 because then you're just going to be spending money for nothing. Are you using uh, Google ads? Uh, yeah. So I do search ads now. I really should go and hire someone who actually knows um, their way around that platform. Myself, I've just set up a, a pretty basic campaign. Um, clicks are good, but I, I don't think it's optimized to where it could be. Same boat. We're in the same. We're in the same boat. Like I, I, I ran the. I ran whatever I did, uh, but I, I <clears throat> actually this week I was thinking maybe we should hire someone that knows their stuff on. on <laughs> on that platform because i don't think i did like the best job at it but you know what like it, it is getting a lot of clicks it's trial and error like i i find that it's trial and error whether you hire someone or you don't you know it's good to kind of get a general sense of the platform beforehand and understand what's good and what isn't and then uh, as dario mentioned sometimes know uh and and as you mentioned as well know where your limits are and that at what point it would be a good idea to start bringing in an expert that can help, you know, obviously like the very basics you could probably handle, but maybe some more advanced search techniques or, or whatever it might be, it would be good to, to bring in uh, more expertise. You could also do the course. I was thinking of doing the uh, certificate course for AdWords because in the long, it's in the long idea. term, it could save a lot of money and, and whatever, but yeah, I don't know. It's funny because that the, uh, the, the keywords for our industry are very specific. There's not that many compared to other ones. It's very, it's a very small list. <laughs> yeah, you're so right about that. And when it comes to hiring an expert for this, um, get someone from a referral or read reviews. I had a guy reach out to me and I decided, okay, you know what? Sure, I'll hire this guy to do my Google search ads. Next thing I know, I have banner ads showing up on websites in in like turkey and india or something oh and th this is what this guy did for me and i was paying for him oh that's my the God. default i was just like that's the default setting <laughs> yeah. if you don't select uh, something third yes, parties exactly. yeah that's what he exactly. did he left that on <laughs> i mean i couldn't even believe that see that's the importance of knowing at least a basic understanding of some of these platforms because you might accidentally hire someone who actually doesn't know his his uh his work and then you're kind of screwed, like in, in your situation there. Like I remember once we were uh, we were trying to see about hiring someone much earlier on, and I remember Dario he he called me the next day. He's like, yeah. So I looked into what uh, they were telling telling us that we should do, and it's a complete scam that they're <laughs> they're doing this. Oh, no, wasn't that? that it was it was like the the thing the stuff they wanted to do was like the most basic of basics, and I was like, this is oh, not this even is worth not it. like I can do this. So then I started doing it. <laughs> <laughs> that that's how Dario became an aficionado when it came to Google AdWords. <laughs> no, for SEO, but Ad, AdWords, SEO, I, I still yeah. don't know what the hell I'm doing with it. But it, it's working. Like our ads are on the like they they run on the first second page and everything. Um, not, not putting We're too much there. money into it though. I think we just put like. 500 bucks a month something like that i think we run 10 day 10 uh, dollars a day maybe 
some maybe 10 15 but you know yeah and so you are like you're pretty well versed in in seo is that correct like how can i up my seo game i mean i know i need more backlinks but like you know if you had three things i should go and do right now to increase my page ranking like what do you think what do you got for me number one i'm not an expert uh number two i would just say just do the basic checklist on uh What's that website I used? Uh, Something.io. It was uh, back. I think it was backlink.io, if I'm not mistaken. Let me just trip backlink. No, it's not backlink.io. Don't go to that site. I don't know what that is. Uh, but Dario might get a virus. Yeah, even though when a page loads <laughs> slow, you're like, oh, God, what did I do? <laughs> like, don't, that, that's them cracking into your computer at that point. <laughs> no, listen, uh, I'm not an expert when it comes to SEO. I've learned the basics, I think, uh, but I think when it comes to SEO, you just got to do like the ba- the basic technical stuff. The biggest is consistency. I, I like. I remember once we started being more consistent. Once we started being more consistent, that's when more results. You got to explain what that is, Kiro. What does consistency mean in SEO? Well, I'll, I'll leave it to you because remember, you're the expert. I was getting to that before you rudely interrupted me. So just <laughs> have like the basic technicals. Uh, that, you know, I'm not going to go into each one of those. You should research that yourself. Um, and then number two is like, yeah, create high quality pages through your blog, get some backlinks that way. Um, and number three, don't do shady shit because you'll get caught eventually. Like there's this one website. Uh, if you search video production Toronto, they just somehow appeared on the first page and it was a total scam website. Like they were a video production company with no work, no work, right? It was just a ton of keywords on their page. And it... It was all it keywords took, on, on every page. It took page. Google like over <laughs> a year. It took Google like over a year before they hit them. And then now they're like page four or something. They're slowly disappearing. But yeah, I don't know. For SEO, it's just be consistently posting. Uh, make sure your tech, the technical side is correct. Like, you know, you're using, for example, for technicals, like you're using the correct headers, headings, like, you know, H1 for title titles, and then you do, you know, H2 for subsequent ones. Like, you got to, like, index your website, like, the way a library organizes its book collection, right? So, yeah. I don't know. What are you doing so far for, for all that stuff? Really just on the website trying to have keywords um it's like you guys said about that video production company that you said was a scam it's like i went on this one website it was a web design toronto company and i just saw throughout the entire page it was like we provide web design services in toronto like everything was every single paragraph every single piece of text was purpose for seo so i went into my own website and like tried to put a little bit of that sauce in there um you know we provide video production services to businesses in St. John's, like just trying to clean up the website and the copy on there. Um, what you just said about like H1 and H2 and headings and such, I definitely need to go in and have a look at that because I don't think I'm doing that properly with within WordPress. You also, you also can't overdo it though, because, and I don't mean with the headings, I mean in terms of like, you know, populating your site with the right keywords and everything, because at the end of the day, user experience is what matters. Because I've seen some websites where they just throw in like, a ton of words and you look at it and you're like you you're you made this website for google but if i was a user i i would just tap out so like great you're ranking high but like how many leads are you actually getting because your website is a disaster right 
I totally agree. And on that website that I mentioned where it was just nothing but keywords, it was just the, 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 the writing was just completely garbage because it was so focused on keywords. And so that's a really great point you make there. Yeah, and uh, I think uh, a lot of people are going to start abusing all these AI tools. And I think that's great because it's going to screw up their rankings because Google's already made it clear that they hate that stuff. <laughs> so some good opportunity there. Unless they switch over to Bing and then really use all those AI tools. Oh, they limited it on, on Bing. Like you can only use it like a couple times a day and everything. So it's not, and That's all good. these tools are so broken anyways, like in the sense that one out of 10 times will give you something decent. And then you look at it, you're like, I could have, I could have done this myself in half the time, you know, that you spend trying to figure it out. Throw in like a re rephrase this for me. And you have to input that function like 10 different times before it gets you something even half usable. And then even then you still have to rework it to what actually works better. I mean, who knows where it can actually help in certain situations, but uh, I, I think it's still very niched out. Like it's not going to be the the solution to everyone's problems. It can only be as like a an aider in certain I don't know if aid error is a word. That's really, not but, a word, man. <laughs> uh, it, it'll just simply be a help tool. An aid. <laughs> an aid. It'll be an aid. <laughs> you know what bugs me is that on LinkedIn, on my feed, it's like everyone talking about it. And it's like the most like annoying right now, yeah. posts I've ever seen in my life. Like one after the other. Like, ugh. It makes me like cringe every time I see it. My LinkedIn is... my. Listen, LinkedIn is turning into Facebook. It's awful. I can't stand it. You know what? Yes, it's funny because it, it 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 I have noticed that it's almost like as if everyone who grew up on Facebook then moved to LinkedIn. That's yeah. what happened. And it's got this like <laughs> they got into their careers. It's got this culty vibe because it's like everyone has like this smile almost. Like you could the the, the posts read like they're smiling. You know, like <laughs> like I, I'm I'm a hostage, but please everything's fine. Type of vibe to it. <laughs> I mean, they say that Instagram. You know, people are putting on a, a filter and showing the best their best uh, life. And then on, on LinkedIn, I find it's like a corporate filter. You know, it's very, it's like, it's like you're saying. That's yeah. exactly it. It's the, I lost my job, but everything is fine <laughs> approach. It's, it's, it's unfortunate, right? Cause like in those situations, if that happens, it's like, what, I mean, what are you supposed to do? Be negative. Like you got to try to be positive and get yourself out there. So it's like, you understand why that's for that stuff. That's, that's for there. that stuff. But it's like, most of the stuff is like, oh my God, like I, I always look at these posts and I go, how does this guy have this much time in his life? Cause you'll see, it's like the, where they're only on LinkedIn. You'll see like a post. So like, and it's a see more and you click see more just out of curiosity. And it's like a, like, it's like a blog post. You're like, how did you have this much yeah, time? Like, and you, like, what are you doing? <laughs> I'm like, this is why work from home doesn't work for everyone. You should be at work. Like, how do you have this much time to write like 1500 word essay? Like, it's like it's like four it's like 10 reasons why uh business is the way business oh my is god man and literally lists them <laughs> out not just list them out definition for each one and then literally like you said like it's like a novel or a book it's like you should have actually written a book at this point i think i think the post. thing is i think i think the thing is uh, uh this fake positive reinforcement people get because it's like it's like oh my post got like 12 likes it's like buddy like i'm on linkedin i'm just liking random stuff as i go down <laughs> we're, we're now we're now getting into the social media craze because this is also this the same thing could be said about instagram facebook yeah, and other content true, creation you know it's just that's just with the business blanket over it or like yeah, the corporate yeah. side of things right is is your community very active on LinkedIn in uh, in St. John's? Did you find, or was it just pretty much like mostly Facebook and Instagram, like we were talking about? I definitely think that you know businesses are 
active and individuals within those companies are pretty active on LinkedIn. Like absolutely. Um, and probably, you know, I don't think they're getting on Facebook and posting too much about, um, you know, their work life balance and how working from home has impacted them and such. But yeah, I would definitely say that LinkedIn people here locally are certainly active on that platform. And there's definitely some people in the city who have really built a brand um, on LinkedIn and through posting and creating content on there. Oh, so then why, why don't you uh, start incorporating maybe like some of those um, promotional aspects on LinkedIn? I mean, aside obviously from how expensive it could well, no, be. What about just organic? You could do too. organic too, no? I think that's absolutely something um, I need to focus on as well as, you know, just blocking out time every two hours every Thursday morning, which clearly I have started to do. And now, you know, writing content, dedicating two hours every week, protected time to creating content. Because I think we also have a hack where we have um, a lot of video content and that on LinkedIn usually performs pretty well. LinkedIn actually wants you to post more um, video stuff because a lot of it, like you said, is 1,500 word looking blog posts. Um, I think video content, they're going to push that organically pretty far on LinkedIn. So I, I totally agree. Got to make it happen. The great thing about our, our our businesses is that we have the tools to create the the most effective type of content. The tricky part is actually creating that content. <laughs> yeah, because a lot of the time we're thinking about what kind of content to to create for clients and and their businesses. And like we've like we've said this before on the on the show is that you got to treat your own business as your own client. You know try to look at it objectively uh, from an outside perspective. It's like, what is what is missing from this business? Like, what is missing from Altitude Media? Okay, clearly Altitude Media, they have this, this, and this, um, uh, but they're missing out on blog posts. And you've remedied that, for example. Now, you're, now you've blocked out two hours every week where you're just creating blog content that you're posting there. Oh, maybe now I need to put like an hour a week where I just start thinking of like LinkedIn video ideas that I'm going to create for for altitude media, you know, like you gotta, you gotta start thinking more about how to work on the business essentially. Absolutely. And it's kind of, it's funny you mentioned that because, you know, I'm a video marketing company and my revenue is going like this. Well, why don't I just do video marketing? Right. And like, that's kind of something that's how I ended up landing on, on doing this is exactly having that kind of outside perspective on your business and realizing if I'm, if I'm saying we do video marketing, well, we should practice what we preach. And that's kind of what the approach I took on this whole thing. Can, can you go into a bit about the, yeah. the video marketing side? Because it's not often we meet another company that does focus on that. It's it's very rare, actually. So tell us a bit about that. At least like from a video background, you know, like going from video production to video marketing. Is yeah. And is it like, is it like common. a side thing that you're offering? Or is it like it's the bulk of your business the main video marketing? Well, first, I would want to ask, you know, I'll, I'll give my answer first. You know, what do you guys define as the difference between video production and video marketing? For me, video production is someone's coming to me, maybe it's an agency or it's a business or a marketing team. And they're saying, we want to execute on this two minute video and then you make it happen. And then you deliver on their vision. Video marketing, I would say is more so working with the client through a discovery process to figure out what sort of videos should we create that are going to, um, that are going to accomplish your marketing objectives, right? Like what would you, how would you guys interpret that? Well, we do, well, we, but the second one is still video production, isn't it? That's what we do. It, it is video production, but it's, there's more strategy involved. That's kind of how I would interpret it, right? Whereas video production, I'm thinking 
that is just someone's coming to me and they're giving me the treatment on the video. They're giving me the, the direction. That's kind of how I would think of it. Video marketing, we're coming up with a solution for the client on how they can accomplish the marketing objectives. Okay, so what, how, would you, what would your answer be? Because video marketing to me is, uh, uh, I'm creating the video for you and I'm helping you market the video. That's okay, a, that, like that's actually a, that's put it out full, there. The yeah, full yeah, 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 yeah. That's how you would think that. The full distribution process <clears throat> is essentially because a lot of the time, uh, I, I think what you're kind of like trying to uh, separate it as, it's almost as if you're kind of being the marketing department for that company in a way with the video content. But at the end of the day, there still needs to be distribution and execution upon it, right? And that is how we see video marketing on our end. Because a lot of the time, even marketing departments, they... They know they need to do video, but they don't know always what they need to necessarily do, right? So I guess you've kind of like basically, in our eyes, separated video production into two kind of two types of clients essentially that you're servicing: clients that know what they want and clients that don't know what they want. But that's still video production. Or in his in 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 his case, though, it's more so like if we were dealing with clients like that, when we have uh, ad or marketing agencies. It's more so like the first thing you described, and then uh, if we have direct to client, uh, direct to, to business, it's more so the second type you described because that's what we deal with a lot. So you guys yeah. are executing on the rollout of the content that you guys are creating. No, no. So we uh, we don't do the the actual distribution side of things. That's 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 video marketing, right? Um, but we like most of our business. I would say like ninety nine percent at this rate at this point. It's a direct to client, and uh, almost always they're coming to us with the uh, you know they need they need with an initiative, and then we help them craft the right video based on their initiatives, right? So we are in there at uh, you know farm to table ideation all the way to completion, but what they do with that video at the end of the day is always up to them, right? Cool. And so I would like to learn about you know, what is your guys' discovery process when it comes to that ideation, working with the client to figure out what, what the requirements are? What does that look like for you guys? So, I mean, we have like a whole process in terms of, it starts actually from the discovery call. We ask a ton of questions related to what the purpose of the video is going to be, um, what the intention is behind it, the key messages, how they're going to, all the way to like how they're going to distribute it. And then, as we go through like our sales funnel, we're pitching them on the right type of video that they want or what they want at the end of the day. And then going into our pre-production process, we have like a good idea of what the video is going to be. So from there, it's just a matter of getting into the fine details, right? So then at that point, we go through our entire pre-production process to figure out the whole roadmap for everything. Um, so I guess it's a two-step process. It's uh, first during the sales process, we're figuring out exactly what the client needs because we got to pitch on the project right uh and then going into it is when we really like flesh it out so when we get into pre-production we're fleshing it out so it's two-step for us and and let's kind of unpack that sales process is that just discovery and pitch or is there more in between that or does there, it vary on the there project? might be so like during our discovery call it's usually about like 30 to 40 minutes for us and that's where like we've developed like a series of questions where we just go through each one and that gives us enough detail. Then I'll do a follow-up with them and then ask them for more information. Or if they haven't provided that during the call, ask them to send it to me uh, via email. And then Carol and I start to unpack everything. 
And then if we have further questions, we, we just do email communications for that. And then we just do our, our final call with them where we, where we just pitch for the, where we do our RFP essentially, right? Yeah. It's, it's kind of like doing the, the work of the RFP essentially beforehand. Cause you mentioned like, um, you, you're essentially, uh, looking for companies also that know exactly what they want, what they're aiming to do. That's essentially what an RFP is, right? It's like, these are our goals. This is the content we need to make. How can you execute it? Right. That's what they're asking for. So this is when you're, when you're dealing with new leads, you're trying to figure out what those things are initially. And you kind of create your own RFP in a way um, based on what you've talked about. You nailed it on the head. It's, it's exactly that. It's basically getting all the information that would need to be on an RFP. And now we basically just yeah. answer that RFP. So once you go into yeah, the yeah. project <laughs> with that, you already know what the project is going to be. Like, especially if they've yeah. agreed with what you want to do. And then obviously for the pre-production process, like it's a bit more of going into the nitty gritty on whatever you just pitched. Um, and then through, for that, you should have your own process as well. Right. Um, I think for everyone, it's going to kind of be similar. Like for us, we just actually just sat down last week and like went through it very in a very detailed manner. And that's actually how we realized that we were undercharging for pre-production, especially considering the amount of time that we need to spend on it. Cause we did a breakdown. We're like, wow, we're, we got to spend at least 15 hours on pre-production. So that's when we're like, you know what? Like we're not charging enough for that. So even, even with something like, uh, like a pre-production process contains like three client meetings as part of it. Kirill and I were doing way more than that. Sometimes it's go over an hour and we've even defined that like, you know, there's three meetings, they're an hour each, anything after that needs to be done via email communications. Cause you can not do that when you're doing a project here or there, but when you have a lot of projects, you just don't have the time. And like, you know, if you take, do like five meetings back and a lot of them can just be done through your email. Like it, it does, it does delay things, right? You should be focusing on other things too, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, if it's, if like, uh, if it, the bulk of your projects are very similar, you should have a pretty good streamlined process about how you should go about it. We're not talking about the situations where it's going to be like, say a 500k project or a 100k project where there's a lot of different elements that need to be checked off before you even get into certain parts of the process. And even sometimes pre-production can go well into the production process as well. For example, you have a few shoot days, um, uh, prior and then like you have to schedule the next few shoot days like two three weeks later you're still kind of doing a little bit of pre-production in between based on like the other shoots that you've done those are very unique situations that um that we're not kind of like touching upon we're talking about like what is your most basic starting point to execute a video project try to figure that out and have that in mind when you're pitching and selling to these new leads because then uh if you don't have that in mind you don't know how much work is going to go into it. And then as Dari mentioned, you might accidentally undercharge. And that actually even helps you figure out at the end of the day what your new baseline is. If you figure out like, hey, if my if it takes this much time to do this video project, then I need to be charging a little bit more, you know, to make it worth my time. Yeah, but you'll figure that stuff out as you're going through it because you should be able to, like, you know, those distribution graphs where it's like, uh, it's like a, it's like a mountain. You should be able to tell, okay, a bulk of my clients fit into this category, right? 
so from there then you can just standardize things but uh so what are like some other like uh like what what is like your kind of like sales process aside from like that form like you feel like it you feel like it might be too long or too short or something that you might need to fix based on it um so right now it's very similar to what you guys are doing first we do a just a 15 minute discovery um to vet them and even before that we'll look at that calendly form how do you vet them how do you vet what what are your what's your vetting process well in on that um uh questionnaire is budget and also their business so we'll kind of do a deep dive into that and look into there but you have 15 you have 15 minutes right so when you're doing that 15 minute call what are you doing to vet them yeah so i'm just answering i'm just reading through a script and learning about their business um learning about you know what their objectives are what are they selling um what what would the outcome of the project need to be for them to be super satisfied and really i'm just looking for red flags you know what i mean people saying uh, i don't know if you know we have the budget for this and you know you know the typical stuff right and then i'll hop off the call and um you know if i know at the end of the call it's definitely gonna be a fit i'll say hey let's book in another another time to chat on this and then do further discovery or come to them with a pitch. Like uh, yesterday I did a pitch on a second call and that went pretty well, but that's because on that first call it went so well and I thought they were really warm and ready. And so I went ahead with that. And so, like you said, I think it's pretty similar for um, a lot of video production companies to do that type of discovery process. So you essentially have a, it's more so like a, like a pure vetting call. You don't go into any deep dive details until until you've done this essential call, right? No, I would say, I would say it's, it's not just a vetting call. Um, I, I am trying to learn what, what would they like to, to accomplish with the project for sure. And, and as I'm doing that, like I said, I'm just looking for red flags that they might, might have. I kind of do like, uh, the, the, my intro call is kind of mixed in with the follow-up one as well. So I try to like just nail everything out of like nail everything at once. Like I don't want to have to have too many calls, like elongate the process. Because I I used to do that. It was like, okay, quick call. Let's just blah, 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 blah. But I figured actually one thing that helped me was that I just tell them, do you get them on a phone call or do you get them on like a a video call? It's a video call. So they book through Calendly and it's a Zoom. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I noticed noticed the ones that don't want to do the video call is also a good good way to vet them out because it's like, (laughs) yeah. Could could be a red flag, yeah. It's like, what do you have to hide? But but again, they're not even going to get past booking on Calendly, right? You same have thing the Calendly, pro- interesting, yeah, that's good. And, and same thing with the 4 to 6K in the form. They're going to hit that and go, uh, okay, never mind, right? You know, I have people lie to me all the time on that. Do you have the same? Well, I have everyone that comes through. It's the it's the bottom tier, right? It's the 4 to 6K, not this 6 to 10 or 10, 10, 10 to 15, 15 plus, right? No one's hitting those. They're just hitting the base minimum. I still have them. It's like, oh, we actually have less than that. It's like, but why did you get in touch? Like, they want to sweet talk us. That's what it is. <laughs> my first question is like, uh, well, I always go like, okay, let me just quickly go through your details. So you said you need that, 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 that. Oh, wait, you selected this option this for the budget. I just want to confirm that's correct, right? Uh, on yeah, Friday, I had my first, I just told them like, oh, yeah, no, we can't, we can't do that. And it was amazing just telling them no right off the bat. They wanted it well, so much. Tell more. me about that. Like telling a client on a call to be like, hey, um, we're not a fit. Like, how do you approach that? Well, I looked at the at the number and I was like, "Oh yeah, no, we can't, uh, we can't do that at all." And then they're like, "Oh, but you know, blah blah." I was like, "Sorry." Do you refer them? 
no, I don't refer to them. Like, I don't have time. Like, that's time out of your day, right? And if it's like, if you didn't read the thing, that's not on me. That's that's also someone you don't want to refer to uh, people in your network that you respect and and appreciate working with and collaborating with. Do you want me to send you a lead that has like no budget? That has no, no potential. potential. No budget is tough. But I, I know some local videographers that are on the come up that I, I do send uh, business to, but not like super crap leads. That's a good point. Videographers is different because like a lot of the times, like they're not handling ideation to completion, right? Like they're more like hired guns in a way. So it's like, like I, I know a ton of, you know, we know a ton of cinematographers, like videographers we could send these leads to, but it's like, we're also dealing with a certain budget level where it's like they would need to do kind of what we're doing just on a much smaller scale. Like the types of leads that we're getting in now, like the, the ones that I, the one that I was dealing with two years ago, I would have gladly taken them on. Right. But it's like, you still need to know how to run the whole pre-production process. And a lot of those guys, it's like, they don't really, I mean, they might do some, some of that work for smaller clients, but it's like, it's not really their forte in a way. Um, but yeah, it was amazing. Just telling that, that lady, no, and it's like she wanted me to like stay on the call. And like she's she's just like, oh, but you know, like maybe you could tell it was funny. She's like, Oh, but you know, maybe we could tell you could tell me a bit about yourself. I'm like, there's no point. Like, I you, we're not a good fit, right? Like I was like, you need you need at least this to talk to me. I was like, if you want, go talk to your manager if you could uh, or your superior, if you can get more budget, then we can schedule another call. But uh and then she she still wanted to pry and ask like questions about like, you know, what how we do it. And I was like, look, how I do it is for is for my type of clients like how a person with your budget range says is completely different like the way balenciaga makes their clothing is different from the way gap makes their clothing right you could you could learn the process but if you don't have that kind of money you still can't buy balenciaga and like gap is not going to be of the same quality it's <laughs> yeah and like just one thing to to note and to stress is that this isn't like this isn't done in, with an intention to be rude or anything like that and it's just a matter of like it's it's just how business is run right like everyone has only so much time that they could spend within their business on certain things it's not a matter of being Root is just a matter of like saving people their time because this is actually something that is a service to these leads as well is that we're not wasting not only are we not going to waste our time but we're also not going to waste their that's time. that's what i told her so that gives them that's more what time. i told her i was like exactly. listen i i, I think exactly. you need i don't want to waste your time and my time as well but i think you need to spend this this time right now start finding a company that can match your budget right exactly it's 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 being it's it's a it's you don't want to do a disservice to anyone that you work with or could potentially work with, right? And it's a matter of like putting uh, putting your name out there in a positive light in in different ways too. Speaking of Balenciaga, um, do you guys have insurance and media coverage insurance? This is something I just learned recently that I definitely need to get. I had insurance for drone doing aerials, and recently learned I need media insurance do you guys how does that relate to balenciaga though yeah uh, that, that was the, yeah, the, the connection <laughs> <laughs> so balenciaga just recently has been in a firestorm online With over the a recent stuff, campaign right? that they did yeah. right and it was i think now there's a bunch of lawsuits going on and the lawsuits are towards the agency that actually created that campaign right so that's kind of even though they even though in. they signed off on it right because they they have exactly, to sign right. off on yeah <laughs> so that's that'll I, be in the courts right See, I, I think, okay, well, firstly, one, I always think at the end of the day is the company that puts it out there. If they're the ones that chose to put it out there, 
it's it's up on them. I can see why though that they would probably be trying to blame the agencies because they're saying, as like, oh, you know, we trusted them as experts and this and this and this. That might be one thing, but I think what saves us as video production companies is that we're just we're just the tool. You know, maybe it was the marketing or the ad agency specifically that developed the strategy that might be more them suing us is like someone suing the graphic designer. Yeah, or suing or suing the camera company. <laughs> it's like you made it with these cameras. <laughs> Wait, but 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 hold on. Uh, let's go into the insurance part. So, because we have, uh, what do we have? We have liability insurance. Yeah, we have, we have liability for like. It, the liability insurance that we have basically covers like, you know, in case there's any accidents on set or anything yeah. like that, uh, that is usually required by any, any video production company. If you don't have insurance, go and get yourself. Hey, Kirill, do we need to get listening. one specifically for each shoot, each time we shoot or it's no, it's just for the, no, in general for the year. No, right? no, 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 not, not necessarily. I, I think, uh, it depends. I think those are the situations where you have to get it. If you don't have, um, um, if you don't have, oh, any. I see. But we we have it, so we don't need to. I see. Okay. Exactly. Like some some uh, like if you were if you wanted to book a professional uh, uh, studio to rent, they have to see that you have uh, a, a certain kind of. Um, they have to see that you have uh, insurance set. Like maybe you could probably generate. Like like it might not be a bad idea to look into this, but just to see if we need to generate some kind of. Uh, like report with our insurance company for those specific shoots. Just it's just literally one document that would just kind of gets printed out. Because you've um, been handling the studio stuff for us. So like if we have to shoot at a studio, we gotta get a special form from our insurance guy. Yeah. I thought it was just it's a specific I one. It was just like why do we have to get it for a student? Like if we already have it, no? Uh, I think it's because uh, you're dealing with something a lot a lot more major in a studio setting because um with with insurance, you're basically kind of like covering their asses as well. I think that's why we have to do it with studios is that you're covering their asses so that they know that we have it. Uh, but it's it's so that everyone is covered on all fronts. Whereas like if we're going to like a, a client's um, uh, company to film things certain there, like we need to have our own no matter what, right? So that's, so there's that. I mean, it's always good to double check things. Yeah, and, I think uh, I might and, call uh, up our guy and just ask him. I don't know if he, I don't think he may know on this, I think we have to check on on more on the production side of things. Like Liam, like uh, what is your experience on that front? Like if you've if you've had to deal with that. Well, so yeah, I got the liability insurance and the drone insurance, but just recently now the insurance company is after me to get this kind of like media protection around the content that we create. I don't fully understand it. Um, it might That's interesting. It might be like some kind of scam. I'm, I got a meeting upscale upsell. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> it's like because I'm creating content. And insurance around around that, not just you know liability. On I'll tell set. you why, because you tell them you do video marketing. That's why. Mm, you could be right. Maybe that might be it. That might be it. Yeah, because again, you're not distributing the content, right? You're not you're not walking. You're not doing the whole process there. Yeah. Well, we're moving more into that uh, this year. Like yesterday's pitch, I did. We actually would be executing on the the media buying. Um, so maybe that's also oh, you are starting to shift into like actual marketing of the videos. <laughs> Absolutely. So oh, okay, okay. So now I'm looking to basically create content um, and marketing assets for the entire customer funnel, right? Right from an awareness ad to um, a landing page, um, and also the media buying in between, and just as a way to kind of increase our service offering and really revenue and you know value we can provide here in the market hmm, interesting yeah we we've uh we've had this conversation you know prior to actually 
pre-pandemic, believe it or not. We were debating getting into the video marketing side of things. But we just decided uh, we don't have that expertise, so it doesn't make sense for us. <laughs> and we might as well we might as well become you know better at one one side of things. And the, also, it would have been a completely different animal for us to tackle. It is. It's a beast. Yeah. I think it's um, the 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 key is like to to know where you want to kind of excel in and where you want to focus your attention because the second you start introducing new services into your business model. There is a whole new set of things that you have to consider and they could affect every other part of the entire process. Like, for example, uh, uh, if you wanted to do video marketing or like say on the video production side, the color grading process is a completely different process that has to be incorporated into your plan. So then when you're going through pre-production, you have to have now another section that's specifically where you have to go to a coloring house, how you will essentially get the footage to them, how you will get different drafts, things to present to clients, and things like that, right? If you didn't have color grading in your whole production process. So every service that you incorporate into your business can affect every other aspect of the business, specifically in your whole process. And then you have to then consider like how will that affect essentially that very first interaction with the client in that sales call. It's like, okay, Instead of presenting a nine-step process, now you have to present a ten-step process. So, Yo, I'll give I'll give a better example because what you're because for like colorists, like that's if you if you have to go to a colorist, you're dealing with with a bigger budget, so it, it's factored in. That's what I mean. Like it's it, it it. I'm just using an example of a process alter. But but marketing something like that is equivalent to what we're doing with the photography. So like with us, we started offering photography services. Right now, it's not us actually doing the photos or us knowing photographers it's we partnered up with a, a photography uh agency so basically what we do is we just use we we can we use them for that right so we get it at, at a at a good rate they get the business uh and then they they handle that we we we're we're, we're only involved in a little bit of the communications with the back and forth you know let let them know. Okay, let's book a photographer. Who's a photographer? Great. Okay, I'll get them involved with the, the contact. They go shoot it. They send us the link uh, to the to the photos, and then we we forward that to the client. That's a, that's that's the extent of our uh, of our involvement with that, right? And vice versa. We also help them on the video production side if they need it for for their business, right? So it's it's a matter of like finding key partnerships that can help you serve better serve your clients and introducing services that are actually going to help your clients because sometimes some companies they they push services onto clients that they don't really need and sometimes it's better to offer services that uh will essentially keep you in mind as the problem solver for your clients right when clients come to you they basically want you to solve their problems and challenges right so for example if we do for this one client of ours, we do a lot of video production and occasionally they have events where they might need a photographer. So rather than them going to going through the tenuous process of trying to vet and find people that they don't know, see how they work together, if it's a good fit or not, they could just come to us and say like, hey, do you know uh, any, do you have any photographers that would be available on this day that are trustworthy and reliable? And if they can execute it with a delivery date of this, this, and this, and then say yep we have exactly this person you need let us know these details and then we'll just coordinate it for them and we just simply connect uh they go shoot it provide us with the the images and then we provide it to the clients that way it's like a one-stop shop almost in a way so could be a good idea for you to maybe i don't know how far you are into the into the marketing process but could be a good idea for you to also see who in in the local business side of things uh 
can can help you out with that because then you can just focus strictly on the production side or if you, you want to do both that's that's up to you entirely but just because uh, we've noticed like when we try to divert our attention too much one thing always suffers and it's hard enough to run a video production company as a whole right yeah i, I totally agree especially when it comes to the media buying side and you know running facebook ads and such i'm pretty well versed in that but i need to find someone who really knows their stuff and really can deliver so i, I totally agree and it's potentially you know finding those strategic partnerships with another agency or maybe you know hopefully i could find an individual um you know to help manage the uh, the cost there but i agree on that what are there any other strategic partnerships that you guys have or um you know that you're looking into and what does that kind of look like is that just a conversation to say okay guys you know handshake deal or is it more uh, intricate than that you know we're we we only have that one going on right now and Luckily enough, they also do offer uh, more marketing services. So, for example, I just we we had a lead come in, and they want to do like a website a website redesign. Uh, but part of that was new video content for their website, right? So, I pitched them on on our videos, and uh, I told them also we have a partner that can help them with the website redesign. So I connected them with them, right? <clears throat> in terms of like agreements on paper it's still very early on so we don't we don't have anything on paper but we have had conversations where we've discussed like how it could potentially morph into something bigger going forward um so we're both both parties are aware of of where it can like you know that it's meant to grow right yeah i i think it's important to to see and trial and trial and error it essentially because sometimes when people try to do partnerships or or things like that uh, right out of the gate, they, each party might have a different idea of what it could be. And sometimes it could turn into something else uh, that you wouldn't expect. And what you might say like, hey, um, this is how we want to basically handle client referrals or, or things like that. It might not work within like three to six months after that, right? So it's good to kind of test it out, feel it out, see how everyone works together. Uh, and then if if it gets to the point where there's like a consistency, like back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, like every every day or every other day, oh, now that that's when it's time to talk about it. It, it does come down to money. So like if the money starts getting to the point where it's like, okay, we really need to talk about this, then we'll obviously do it. Uh, but the ex like, you know, we're, we're on the same page on that. In terms of other partnerships, I think for now, no, I mean... I actually, Kirill, one, one good thing would be maybe with an animation company, something like that. That would be a great idea. Potentially. Yeah, just just to have that service because animation is one of those things where it's like we don't do too much of it, but it does come up here and there. And then when it does come up, it's like, I don't know. like um, that, That's the only thing I would maybe add to our repertoire, to be honest with you, like a strong animation partner. Um, cause we do use freelancers, but yeah. it's always a freelancer at the end of the day. Their, their quality is always going to vary compared to who you use. It's more so availability is the, is the challenge with freelancers. Yeah. Good animators that deliver and are reliable and trustworthy are very difficult to find. Um, I find more difficult to find than like say editors or cinematographers because it's a lot of, it's not like front facing as well as much. Like you're basically they're they're working from home, like 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 cinematographers or other crew members. You see them on set, so you're able to understand how they work a little bit better in person. Whereas 
uh, it's a little bit harder to find and take the chance on, like, say, editors or. But also because, because also a, because you're not an animator, right? You're a cinematographer. You're a thing. cinematographer, yeah, yeah, so you can tell. Like it, it's like a dog recognizes yeah. another dog type of thing situation, right? Like. <laughs> 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 yeah that's a good point yeah, with an anime it's like i hope this guy's not like you know just selling me on this like i hope he knows what he's selling me on you know <laughs> is there is there liam a, a certain partnership that you have like at the top of your priority list that you might want to explore more of or are you still kind of trying to figure that out yeah i definitely think i'd like to i mean we've worked with uh, marketing agencies here in town who don't have in-house um video um but i think you know developing a strategic partnership with an, a big agency here in town, uh, you know, to be their go-to for video production could be pretty, pretty strong for us. You know, we noticed uh, with that, uh, you'd have to go with a big one, but then the big ones always have a lot of options. So they kind of can shop around easily. Cause we've noticed if you deal with a, a like a small to medium sized marketing agency, their clients, like at least for the type of video production work we do, cause even with, with our partner over there, if they're sending us video work, they, they know that it has to be video work of a certain budget because a lot of the times when you're dealing with small to medium sized clients and you're a marketing agency, like the video budget is smaller, right? Like we could dry out their like two months maybe of their marketing budget with just one video, right? But that's just because of the type of video production company we are. Actually, most of us are kind of like that, right? Like, I mean, for us now, our starting point is 10K. Before that, it was like five. Now it's seven and a half. Like most people fall into the five to 10K range, right? But a lot of these small businesses, like if you tell them like, like, I don't know if they're dealing, you're dealing with a restaurant, you tell them, yeah, we can, we can, your marketing agency, it's like, yeah, yeah we'll, we'll shoot uh, one day's worth, one, uh, we'll come in for a day, we'll shoot one video. You'll get one video asset out of it and it'll cost 10,000. They'll go like, what the hell? We can't do that. <laughs> that's, that's a lot of, on a monthly basis. It won't work, right? So I think the only challenge with that is going to be like trying to find a partnership where it's like I can't do like the same quality of work that I do for one type of project in terms of like basically they'll need a lot of work. They'll need more so like a videographer I've noticed compared to like an actual company. Because the company like our overhead is high like we we bring on a lot of people like the cost of a video is just too high for them I find at least. You know, think of it like this is because they're they're going to these other companies with a certain kind of uh, idea in mind of like overall content that they need. They need many services, right? They're not going in there specifically with video as the main service that they need. They need to create their website. They need to create promotional photos. Uh, they need to create banner ads, like like a whole wide range of things. So in their mind, they're basically say they have like 50, like say 10K that they need to distribute amongst all these platforms. Some companies can do it. Obviously, some parts are, are more so focused on and then other parts there might be a little bit if there's budget left. So think of it like if they've spent the 8,000 to get their whole media uh, brand image set up right from the get-go, they only have 2K left over. And then they're like, oh, let's do a video. How much is it going to cost? 10K? It only works if you have... They don't It they only works for them if they have like an in-house guy because then it's... It's already salaried, so they can just send them out whenever. But again, they're also having the challenge of like how much time is that person is going to be spending on this one particular client, right? It all it all goes back down to even if they're in house, their hours are still billable. They're in terms of like no, no, I know, but no, but, Kiro, but let's say you're a marketing agency and you have an in house videographer. If you send them out for one two hours on Tuesday, 
it's yeah, fine, yeah, right? Because yeah. that guy's probably going to edit it as well. Versus if we send out someone, if you send out a cinematographer, it's at least if, like you got to book them for the whole day, even if it's two hours, like that guy's not going to take it on. So it's like, boom, right away, you're That's, 1500 in the hole. That's not including the the the, the project management field, just like coordinating stuff. And that's just sending the guy out. It's like, just capture whatever. If you want a producer, that boom, another 1500 right away. You're 3K in the hole, just footage capture. Even if it's like two yeah, hours. I mean, I guess it's like, a basically, it's the different kind of experience. You know, like a lot of people lump in cinematographer and videographer together as the same role. But maybe those are two separate, completely separate roles and distinctions that people have to define in our in our industry. But um, it, it, it always keeps changing. <laughs> Sorry, Liam. Was that was that? Did that answer the question? Like, Dario and I go. I, like, I noticed that this episode, like, you've asked the question, and Dario and I just kind of went well, off. He's not, he's not joining the conversation. <laughs> We're like waiting for Liam to join in, and he's not joining in. As he, as he as he just mentioned, like it's a he, he's just kind of taking in what we're talking about. Hopefully, it's something useful there, right? <laughs> I mean, absolutely, and I totally agree. You know, you need to have a a, a good communication and a good standard set with that agency. Um, you know, to say, hey, listen, like, don't come to us with a $2,000 budget, right? You need to to kind of establish those terms and set those expectations. Yeah. But but then again, if you are dealing with the ones that would deal with those budgets, now you are competing with other people in your in your pool, right? But you never know. Could could work out. But I don't like I don't like relying on agencies because I feel like, I mean, they have no loyalty. They have no loyalty to you, right? I mean, why should they, right? So it's like, you could be their go-to guy for like six months and then someone under, under you know, uh, under charges and delivers the same quality, boom, you're gone, right? Absolutely, totally agree. Um, I want to ask you guys, have you guys done any mentorship or coaching programs to kind of level up your guys' ability? Because I recently started uh, partaking in those over the past couple months. Um, they're pretty expensive, but... Um, I found that was a way to really accelerate my learning and ability to kind of org- organize myself in my operations in my business. Where do you find those? Like a mentor? Do you mean like uh, finding a mentor for yourself? No, I think he's talking about paid consulting. It's No, it's paid coaching. So it's like a paid community and paid mentorship. And so I'm in two of those. They're both based out of the United States. And so basically I meet with a mentor every week. And I also have access to all their learnings. And that has been kind of like monumental for me over the past, just these couple months. I mean, I used to get this, I used to like email proposals, right? Like, and now I've since, um, you know, leveled up my ability with like the whole discovery process. I wasn't even familiar with that prior to this coaching. So, you know, what have you guys done? If you haven't kind of, dived into any programs what have you guys done kind of level up your ability i mean you guys are very competent uh in your your business acumen and in your video production he thinks we're competent uh, you know what's what's funny is that when we i think i think one of the big one of the biggest things is actually this show was a big uh changing factor for us because when we started it we started during the pandemic because you know there was no work coming in so we needed something to kind of uh give us a little bit of like a let's shall we say like a purpose on a weekly basis you know like let's let's do an episode and interview people and it was kind of like a good way to give everyone a chance to kind of like you know connect and talk and then we actually like through doing these uh, episodes we kind of started learning a lot more about not only what other people were doing but also learning about what we weren't doing it's like oh 
Dario, like, I think we need to start thinking about this, this, and this, or like, we haven't thought of this, we haven't thought of this. And then that was kind of like the, probably the biggest thing that we've done is essentially just doing this show and just connecting with more and more creatives. And within here, I see you guys are going back and forth like, hey, you know, we should, we should look into that. We should try that. I think that's super cool. And, you know, you guys have been super consistent. We are, this is episode 30, is it? 40. 40. 40. Yeah, wow. 40 now. Yeah. And how have you guys been able to maintain that? I mean, this is a lot of work to book um, all these guests in and then produce it and, and put it up there. You know, what has been your process in, in keeping it going? Well, we, uh, the thing that's helped a lot is that we started hiring uh, editors for this. So that's, that's saved up a lot of time. So basically right now the breakup is I'll be the one that does the outreach books in the at least books in the it, yeah. guests um and then uh Kirill deals with the editor and then Kirill pumps it out on on the on the social channels that's been the breakdown we've we've kind of just split it up like that and it's just it's just worked it's easier to kind of just separate um like like div- divvying up the role so that it's like okay one has done that now I can get this and then like handle the creative and like put together the actual product um this way it just becomes a lot more of a well-oiled machine. Like, I mean, before we did, it's not like we did 40 episodes in a row. So just to keep that in mind, we basically had... It started It started like at the end of, like we did it, uh, how, how it worked before, yeah, like 2020, we we did a run of like 15 episodes or so. And then 2021, we're like, hey, we, we got a lot to focus on. We don't have time for that. And then we took, took a, a year, year break, break which we shouldn't have, should have kept it going because we learned a lot from this. So cool. we restarted in 2022. Yeah. And then just slowly, we did a ton of them in March, and then we just um, released them little by little. And then now we're just doing more more weekly ones because we'd realize that you know we we're growing a lot on a week by week basis. So every week we're learning something new. And it's good to have it's good to have your own kind of uh, piece of content that you could actually focus on. You know, like there's a lot of things that you can learn doing doing something like this. Uh, you know that can work in other aspects of your business you know like sometimes you might for example find a bug in one of your uh, post-production softwares that you wouldn't have noticed otherwise if you were just handing projects to editors because i discovered one last week and i was uh, and it was like frustrating me all week until i figured out what it was and then now it's like okay perfect now we have a fix and now we can apply it to everything else that we do so this was actually some. Uh, this was actually an issue with uh, the way Adobe Premiere exports its color, and uh, I was noticing slowly over the last few weeks. It's like there's something going on with the export, and I couldn't put my finger on it exactly. Um, and sometimes it happens with different updates, and and then it just kind of hit me last week. And I was looking at like the preview bar of Adobe Premiere. It's like what the, what the color and the look was. And then I looked at the export and I'm like, there's something different here. And then I basically put them side by side and I'm like, why is it exporting with colors completely washed out and uncontrasted versus what is on the preview bar? And I'm like, this is probably where we've had issues in the past with certain projects where we were thinking to ourselves, oh, the color was a little bit dull in that project. I wonder what was going on. And I think this was essentially the problem. And essentially, this was a problem that dates back to like 2016, 2017 even. And a lot of people deal with this issue because whatever is being exported with Premiere, Premiere is set up for essentially uh, a color space that is meant for broadcast. And that color space is completely different to what it is on the players and the pro- and the media players on 
um, on MacBooks, uh, on PCs, but ultimately YouTube. Like I had, I read that some people were saying essentially that it was like, oh, it's just that media player that you're using. You got to use VLC and then the problem is fine, which is okay. That could be fine. But most people who are using Mac A are going to be using the standard media player. So you want it to be optimized for that. That's one. But ultimately, that same issue was appearing on YouTube. And that's what was frustrating me all last week. I delayed an entire episode release because I needed to figure out. I was wondering why what that episode was. didn't release. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's why it's being released. So what's, this what, week well, how do you I, fix I, it? What's the fix? I'm so it familiar was with this issue. Like, you know, I, uh, yeah. I've had this as well. Too, right? I think everyone has it. Just only a few people like ourselves have noticed it. And so, and the funny thing is, is that a, you get this LUT that you need to apply to the premiere. You get it from Adobe's website. But they deleted it. Oh, really? They deleted <laughs> it. So well, we here's got the, it. Here, that, that's the crazy thing. And um, and I, I, that's what frustrated me because a lot of the resources that I was finding were saying, oh, you just have to download this LUT from Adobe. And then it just kept giving me error messages to the link. Maybe the link was just broken and they just put it on a different part of the website. But I finally found another YouTuber. Uh, and his name, I believe, is Sir Matt Johnson. Oh, like, yeah, yeah. The, the guy with the beard, right? Uh, the wedding guy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like he, he does a lot of really good uh, wedding tutorial content. And he basically had a fix for this. And what he did cheekishly in his video saying, um, the Adobe has this LUT and uh, I could link it to the thing, but I'm going to just put it on my website just in case for, for whatever reason they might delete it down the road. And that was like three years. And that was like three years ago. So I'm like, I'm like thank God. Thank God he sent it. I downloaded it. And uh, yeah, it worked. It worked. I already released a, a short this morning and it like looks completely different compared to what the uh, Premiere was exporting prior. And oh my God, like I, I was just, I, that was one thing I was going to actually talk to you, Dario, after this call was... It was about that, huh? I was wondering why you delayed it. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, listen, uh, but, uh, going into the mentor stuff, uh, I'm, what's the name of that program you're, you're using? I mean, I, I, we're not good, I don't want to do it, but I'm just curious. Uh, so there's one that's called YouGurus and... You know, that one is mainly, it used to be something for uh, people doing freelance web design and help build that into, build their freelance web design into more of an agency. And so it's not very tuned to videographers, but the mentorship is still extremely valuable. And the other one I'm in is uh, Eight Figure Agency. Um, these guys, Jordan Rosh and Zach Veith out of the United States. And so I get on a call with Zach once a week and... You know, we're just laying out, okay, how do we get the agency to the next level and, and really build this business? And it's so it's really great accountability. Um, you know, I guess you guys could probably speak to accountability because you got a partnership here. For me, I don't have a business partner in this. So it's really great to have that accountability every week. And also he's introducing me to so many different, you know, strategies. And the biggest one so far has been um, related to operations and actually doing um, SOPs and really dialing in my process. So an SOP is a standard operating procedure. And so for every single project now, we have a standard operating procedure, right? Okay. And, and you have it actually documented and mapped out. Okay. Step one, what are we going to do after our discovery call? <clears throat> and when the client is saying, okay, let's, let's move ahead with the project. What they're going to, what we're going to do is we're going to invoice them, our deposit. Okay. Step two, we've received the invoice. Step three, now we're going to do a welcoming onboarding email and mapping out this entire process of your project right from start to finish. That's interesting. We, we, um, we've been doing that lately as well. Like we've mapping it all out. Yeah. And it's, it's so beneficial. Like, and now that I do it, I can't believe that 
I didn't do this for the past like four years, right? It was just always. What do you do with the deposit? Like the one one stra- one thing I was trying to figure out. Uh, I think I'm gonna start implementing it. Is I'm gonna start doing right when they sign. We need to get the a fifteen percent deposit, and then before the production date, I'm thinking of doing thirty five percent is due, and then after the production date. Uh, I issued the other 50% or maybe at, at first draft. What do you, what's your breakdown for that? So, I mean, it varies on the size of the project and, you know, typically if it's like a 5k project, we're doing 50 at 50 to start 50 upon completion. Now on a bigger project, say above 15,000, I would first speak with the client and kind of propose a payment term. So for something above 15,000, I would say it'd be 25% and then, you know, at a certain portion, you know, if, if, if it's a two month project, we want to keep cash flow coming into the business. So I would say it'd be 15 and then invoice to 50% and then upon completion up to 100%. But I mean, I think just speaking with your client and finding something that works. But like I said, on the lower, lower end, like five to 10K, I think it's like 50 50 is pretty reasonable. Um, that's kind of how I how I approach that. Because we're right now moving in the in the 10 plus range. So I want to implement this new format. I did have someone give me resistance on the 50-50. And now I think, and I noticed like, you know, even though you say like 50% due on, on contract signing, it still takes them a little bit to process it through, right? So my new thing is going to be, you give me 15%. Once I receive it, then we start the pre-production process, right? And I'm really going into a break. I really, I'm breaking down the pre-production process for them because it's like a 10-stepper for us, right? I don't know how many steps you got for you. It's about, actually, if two of them could be removed depending on if they need actors or whatnot. So it's about eight to 10 steps. So that's one thing. I'm. By the way, I wanted to mention something. One thing you were doing with the 50-50, you do 50% when the project is finished. I'd recommend you stop doing when the project is finished. Just move it to when you deliver the rough draft for them. And I'll tell you why. Sometimes before you get to the the final, like the, you know, here offboarding, this is the final version. It might take a quite a bit of time because you got to wait for them to give you their revision notes and everything. You know, our standard is like 48 to 72 hours, but some guys, you know, some clients need like a week or more. So it delays your 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 cash flow process, I guess, in a way, right? Because if you're expecting it, it's like, okay, I'm supposed to be done this project by that point. If they take a lot longer, then it's like, boom, I'm I'm now getting it like two months later than I expected it, right? You need to pay the editor, you need to pay your overhead, whatever it might be. And this way, it just kind of like standardizes the process a little bit for you in terms of how you get it. And at that point, like that shouldn't be an issue because... You got, you're already creating the project with the client and you are both serious about it. So uh, at least sending it through is is key because a lot of the time they have 30-day pay periods as well. So if you wait till the offboarding, which as Dario said, could delay from like two to three weeks after, who knows? You know, like they the main person, the main point of contact doesn't see it in time. It's a weekend, then it's a long weekend. By the time they send it to their... Uh, superiors, then they take like another week. By the time all that feedback gets to you, it could be another two weeks. So that way, if you send the invoice with the first draft, you at least start the 30-day clock so that you actually get paid pretty much around the time that you actually finish the project, technically speaking. So it's more so to take that into account. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a good tip. I was actually going to say this is probably a good point to kind of uh, to end off the call since we've already hit about an hour and yeah. 20 minutes. <laughs> we usually try to keep it around an hour, but like, you know, sometimes these discussions, you know, they get really good. So we don't want to we don't want to stop them. And Liam, honestly, thank you so much for 
for joining us on, and on I, the show. And I like how he was asking a lot of questions. Like this is this is good. I like this. You told me you told me to bring some questions, and then I wrote down four bullet points, and then I asked a ton of questions. So yeah, now it was cool. You know, um, to get your feedback on a lot of different stuff and have this discussion today it was super cool. I want to you know appreciate you guys having me on here. Yeah, thank you, thank you.